the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. I am your host, Nick DiGilio. Episode number 203 of the Nick D Podcast right here at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world. Check us out at radiomisfits.com. There are dozens and dozens of amazing and informative and entertaining and funny and unusual and awesome and suspenseful and dramatic. Great, great podcasts available here at Radio Misfits. Choose from them and check out our 24-hour live streaming service. It's like radio, only a lot cooler, and it's free. RadioMisfits.live, where you can hear great unheard music from unsigned bands from the Unheard Music Show, which is a great podcast here at Radio Misfits, and episodes of all the incredible podcasts, including my own. You can hear this podcast broadcast every day at 3 p.m. Central, and you can hear my other podcast, which is my Saturday Night Live podcast. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. You can hear that daily at 9 a.m. Central. So you can hear my podcasts uh, once a day being, uh, being broadcast, both of them, 9 a.m. for the SNL podcast, 3 p.m. for this podcast, all central time zones, at radiomisfits.live, free, incredible 24-hour streaming service that you need to check out immediately, and go to radiomisfits.com to check out all the rest. And if you would like to be a sponsor on this podcast, lots and lots of people listen to this podcast. Lots of people do. So it would be beneficial for everybody involved if you advertise with us, and you should. You got a product, you got a restaurant, you got anything. You want to sponsor anything, any of the great segments that we have, be a sponsor, be an advertiser with us. It's awesome. Drop us a note, say, I want to sponsor or be an advertiser on the Nick D podcast. Send that note to sales at radiomisfits.com. Do it now, do it quickly. Let's be a sponsor together. Sales at radiomisfits.com. If you want to be part of the podcast just in general, as a listener, as a subscriber, we have a voicemail system set up 24 7. You can call anytime you want with any thoughts that pop into your head or suggestions or questions or comments. Anything at all you want to say regarding this podcast or my SNL podcast, I want to hear my listen to every single voicemail that comes in. I play many of them on the episodes. The 24-hour voicemail system is up and running, and you can call it anytime you want with anything you want to say. 773-417-6948. Call it now. Or if you want to use the email, email any questions or comments, anything you want to say, uh, questions for some of our regular guests, contributions, anything. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sound and the weirdness and the themes. He's the best. He's in Houston. Uh, and Ed does everything else at Radio Misfits. Uh, today is episode number 203, as I mentioned, and our old friend Amy Guth, the lovely Amy Guth, is going to join me. She's out in L.A. working on movies, writing scripts, being a producer, um, taking in all of the craziness of L.A. And we're going to talk about some of the crazy uh, shenanigans that she's been up to, some of her latest projects. She also is the host of uh, Chicago uh, Crane's Daily Gist podcast, uh, which is a business Chicago, business Chicago uh, uh, podcast that she is the host of. She's also a great writer. AmyGooth.com is her website. We're going to talk about the latest in the world, the wonderful world of Amy Guth. And then, of course, the great Esmeralda Leon is going to join me. 
Esmeralda is my partner in crime. And she's going to be joining me, and we've got more dumb warnings to talk about, dumb people to talk about, and some phone stories that we're going to get to as well. Um, so I do want to mention this. Normally on Tuesday mornings, my dad stops by to tell a joke. Um, if you have been following me on social media, or if you know me personally, you know that right now um, there are some uh, slightly tense and strange things happening within my family. I am an only child. I have my mother and my father who are both elderly. And at the moment, uh, I am dealing with uh, some pretty heavy issues uh, regarding my mother, who has some um, mental um, issues and some physical issues as well, and my father, who, as we speak right now, is currently in the hospital um, awaiting um, um, a procedure that might possibly lead to a pacemaker in his heart. Uh, some very strange things have been going on over the past few weeks. Um, I shared them with my listeners when I was on the radio when anything like this would happen, so I'm going to share them with you. Um, my mother has been battling a bit of what has been not officially diagnosed as what be, might be dementia, and we're dealing with that, and it uh, sometimes gets a little scary and unpredictable dealing with my mother. And as a result, my father and mother have been, um, uh, uh, you know, my father has been staying someplace else for concerns about his safety and his health and vice versa. And then my father had to be taken to the emergency room over this past weekend. Um, and I'm dealing with him being in the hospital with the procedures and dealing with my mother and uh, the mental issues that she's having. So it's been a very tense a uh, very heavy time for me right now. And I am an only child. Um, I do have friends that I can reach out to, but I'm the only family member who can deal with what's happening right now. My father needs a break. He needs a rest. So uh, he will not be stopping by to tell a joke. Um, and hopefully in the, in, in the future, he'll be back doing it. And I'm positive he will. And hopefully all of this stuff will work out. So um, a lot of, for people who won't, you know, uh, want to know about the behind the scenes things, a lot of recordings of these podcast sessions are going to have to be moved around from their regular time period. Um, to uh, fluctuate and so that I am free to go and jump into whatever I need to jump into to handle the family situation that I'm in. Um, if you've ever dealt with elderly parents, particularly um, if someone is dealing with um, mental issues or dementia or has violent outbursts, uh, it's not an easy thing to deal with. And I am, uh, this is terrain that I've never had to go down before. So I'm relying on a lot of experts who've I call, who I've called and some people um, the behavior is inconsistent and strange, and it's hard to deal with. So uh, my father will be taking a break from telling jokes uh, for the time being. And hopefully, in the near future, my dad will be back to tell jokes. But at this moment, we're taking a break from that. Uh, my dad, uh, at this point, is going to have to have some procedures done to him to get him back up to, uh, to his feet. Um, he is 82. My mother is pushing 80. And right now, the priority is to get them both well, my mother physically and mentally, and my father physically. So as a result, my dad's uh, regular uh, uh, joke telling on Tuesdays is going to be um, delayed um, and put on hold until all of this stuff uh, is figured out and we can get back to a semblance, a semblance of normalcy. So anyway, I just wanted to give you uh, the reason why this is happening. So no joke today. Uh, and uh, hopefully, as soon as possible, we'll get my dad back in. We'll record a bunch of jokes and we'll play them back for you. Um, but right now we've got a little drama in my family and I'm dealing with it. But, uh, I, a lot of people have been uh, helping me. I actually put up a GoFundMe page, uh, cause my parents, um, you know, the, 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 the financial situation with my parents has never been very good. So I have a GoFundMe page out there. Um, and if you, if you would like to donate, that would be fantastic. It's uh, you can check out GoFundMe. You just look up Nick DeGilio. Um, I guess if you Google the GoFundMe, you know, .com or whatever, we have a GoFundMe page to help out with all the crazy bills that are be coming in and some of the debt that they had. Um, so, uh, it's a very, very, uh, stressful time. 
um, not just uh, with the health and mental health of my mother and the health of my father, but also the financial situation. So that's why the GoFundMe page is up. And if you want to check it out, do a search. And, and if you can drop a few bucks, that'd be great. Uh, but it's stuff that we're dealing with. And, uh, and I share this with, you know, when I was on the radio at WGN, everybody knew my personal life and people who listen to this podcast know, you know, I share everything. I'm not going to lie to my listeners or my subscribers. People know me. They know my personality. I like to think of us as friends and colleagues. And so that's why I share this stuff with you. Um, you know, you've, you've, you've heard about the stories in the past that I've had to deal with even personally and things like that with, you know, with my recovery from alcohol and, and any of the other things that happen in my personal life. I am free to share them. I share them with Esmeralda. I share them with my friends. I share them with the guests and the regulars, and I share them with you. So I'm sharing this with you um, in, in the hopes that you'll understand why we don't have my dad's jokes for a little while. So anyway, uh, it's a tense time in my, in my life right now, but I'm telling you, doing this podcast, doing the Saturday Night Live podcast, and staying connected to listeners and friends and subscribers helps me a lot. Um, and also, uh, my, my, my girlfriend, Julie, who has been a rock during this whole uh, situation, I wouldn't have been able to get through this stuff without her. So I do have a support system, and you guys are part of that. You listeners are part of that. And this podcast is a really healthy way that makes me feel great. And I love doing it. Um, and uh, I will continue to do it even during the dark and crazy times. I'll just shuffle things around so that it all fits into my schedule. Um, everybody at Radio Misfits, including Ed, knows what's going on. Um, and so it's a tough time right now, but these podcasts are going to be informative. They're going to be entertaining. They're going to make you laugh, and we're going to entertain the hell out of you. And that's what we're going to do. And, uh, and uh, you know who else is happy to, to entertain you? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. Hi, Thank I'm you, Carrie, Carrie uh, Russell, yes, I know. I, I know. love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Okay. Amy Guth is here to entertain and have a great time. She's great from Crane's Daily Gist podcast, and she's a filmmaker, and we're going to talk all about the crazy stuff that's been happening in L.A., uh, with the further adventures of Amy Guth. And that's coming up after we tell you about this amazing book that you should either read or listen to on the audio. Tremendous stuff from Brian Alaspa. Hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up because Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Yeah, that's right. Brian Alaspa's Devoured is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down an evil as old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever. And trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. 
It's always like a scene from Strange Days whenever I play that. <laughs> That's Literally Amy Goose. Literally every time. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Goose theme song. Uh, boy, that was really, that, that sentence came out of my mouth very, very smoothly. <laughs> Amy Goose, my old friend who I've known for many years, who, is, uh, who I always introduce as the lovely Amy Goose, and she is lovely. Hi, Amy. Thank you. Hi Nick, how are uh, you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Well, we we do have to we have to do this as always. Motherfucker, food eater. So there you go. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. And it's gotten to the point now where we just refer to each other as food eater all the time. Hey, food eater, what are you doing, food eater? <laughs> Nothing, motherfucker. What are you doing? That's right. Me neither, motherfucker. Let's see. Uh, well, welcome back. Uh, and uh, <laughs> thank you. AmyGooth.com is the website where people can find out what's going on. Uh, we're going to talk about Amy's further adventures on the West Coast. Dealing with L.A., dealing with all the craziness out there, making movies and doing projects and all kinds of cool stuff. But before we do that, can we talk a little bit about Crane's Daily Gist and tell everybody about how they can hear that and all that cool stuff? Let's do. Uh, Anywhere you find your podcast, Crane's Daily Gist is available to you. You can go right to uh, the Crane's, uh, chicagobusiness.com. You can go right there to the Crane's website and you can find an archive of all the things or, you know, wherever you you get your, your audio on demand. But essentially, it's... It's kind of what you need to know to stay on top of business news in Chicago every day. So it's four to five news briefs that I put together every day. And then there's an interview with somebody, uh, usually one of the reporters from the newsroom, sometimes a guest voice, uh, sometimes a business leader. Right now, I'm doing all these kind of, these are my favorite kind of things to do. I'm doing these kind of like year end and look ahead things with all the reporters like, okay, think back. What were the big stories of 2023 that that threw you off or that were that you felt like came out of nowhere or just that you really stand out to you? And then what are you what are the big things that are, you're going to be looking at in, in 2024? Um, so I, I'm kind of recording those with each each different you know reporter for each beat. In a couple of cases, you know, we have like two reporters covering a thing. Um, so Danny Ecker and Rachel Herzog, for example, do commercial real estate. So I'll be talking with them. And then uh, Lee Jung Greco and uh, Justin Lawrence both do city politics. So I, I, I recorded with them about you know some of the big political stories in in Chicago and how the how that impacts the business community. So they're really interesting conversations, and I bet. It, it never fails. I've done them every year at Cranes, and and. And it never fails to to just amaze me because you're like, wait, that was this year? That already seems like a decade ago. I know. <laughs> you know, that was I so know. long ago. We do the year end stuff as well, you know, on the entertainment front. And I and I put together my list of the best and worst films of twenty twenty three, which I unveiled on Steve Cochran's show on WLS. And yes. uh, we will we will officially I've unveiled it on Facebook and social medias and stuff, but I will officially talk about it here on the podcast um in a couple of episodes, the beginning of January with uh Stephen Eric. And going back and going, Jesus, I forgot that movie came out this year. Or, yeah. wait a minute, is that that entertainment story happened here? And then also, when you start looking back, you know what else is really crazy, Amy? Is when you look back at like celebrity deaths, when those pop yeah. up, and you're like, holy shit, I forgot that person died or this person died. And you forget. And then, and yeah, and you, when you're reminded of big news stories and things like that. Yeah, the year end, man, the year end, every, every year that I get older, I forget everything that happened during the previous year. <laughs> Absolutely everything. And yeah. this year, like I, the last couple of years, actually, I've been a little skittish about them because in 2019, when I did them with the Cranes reporters, you know, everybody had like, oh, the census is coming and this is <laughs> happening. They had so much optimism about, you know, about 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So much stuff is going to happen. Look at all the great stuff. And, yeah. you know, and then kabam, you know, by we March, get the pandemic. By Mar- and t- yeah, by March, it was oh. all over. <laughs> by March, it was all over. <laughs> 
Oh God, it's totally different deal, completely different. So, um, you know, and we, we kind of have reflected and, you know, this year I'm kind of, um, pulling it out more than just this year and, and, and kind of like, so, you know, what are, what are pieces of, of pandemic impacts that are still kind of threading through your beat and, and how is that still kind of affecting things? And that's been interesting to see where it's still sometimes has changed something permanently, like, you know, commercial real estate, like the office space, it just uh, means something different than it used to, you know, does. you can't, can't ring, can't like unring that bell. So it, I think it's, it's really interesting. It's amazing. You know, my, um, my girlfriend, uh, Julie recently started a job a few months back and she works from home now and that's the norm, you know, and she, yeah. she had worked, she'd worked from home, you know, several other times, but you know, just maybe once or twice a week, if she could fit, fit it in, she'd go back into the office. But now, you know, I mean, that's the norm. That's the norm now is that empty office buildings yeah. now and people working from home. It's kind of a, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's super yeah. interesting. And, and, yeah. and I mean, I have a lot to say about like the people that were the leaders that were early on in the pandemic, kind of demanding that people come to work in the office, even the language they were using was like, come back to work. Meaning yeah. I don't, recognize what you were doing at home. But right. what I what what really started happening is like a lot of those leaders were kind of telling on themselves that they don't have a culture of trust in their organization and that they're people that rule by proximity. Like yeah. I need to watch you working. And it yeah. also kind of told on the flawed structure of a lot of corporate management because a lot of managing is not actually doing work but supervising other people doing work. And yeah. if you're at home, it's you know, you, you kind of you start to feel a little bit useless if people are being perfectly productive without you. So I think it was a little bit of like um, ass covering, <laughs> but also I think there was like a gender component to it, right? I think there are some CEOs that feel like, you know, hot shit in a boardroom, but to have the domestic sphere pictured around them, yeah. pets, children, things like that was like very threatening to them. And they were really, really pissy little children about it. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. That totally made it completely makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, it, but the working from home thing. And then, you know, uh, there are places where you can kind of, you know, r- where companies can rent little space, as you know, where people can come yeah. in and meet yeah. for a little while, maybe, you know, once a month or something like that. But the actual, like, let's go into that office building up up to the 18th floor and go into that office, you know, every day. That's, you know, that's slowly going that's away. Done. And, and it's done. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. Because people are like, wow, I spend... T- you know, the, the time I used to spend commuting, I'm working now, I'm getting hours back. Uh, you know, I don't have the distraction of that one coworker who's perfectly nice, but like, will not shut up. I don't have yeah. that problem, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I know people that are kind of going one or two days a week and they're like, I get nothing done those days. Right. I know I just go to, you know, just to be seen and whatever. I mean, I, I think yeah. it's a valid, it's a valid concern to say, like how, what does mentorship look like, right? If you have somebody who's like an industry veteran and you have somebody who's new and just trying to kind of get a seat at the table, how does mentorship work now? But I, like, we figured that out, you know, we've like, I made friendships during the pandemic that I didn't even meet in person until like 2022. And it was funny because I was like, oh, I'm just now meeting you for the first time, but I like, we know each other really well. Cause we talk all the time on zoom. Yeah. Like, so there's ways around that, you know, you can figure it out if you yeah. want to enough. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned, uh, that you're working on, um, reflecting on, uh, on, on, uh, 2023 for daily gist and business and stuff like that. And, and well, we had a big, we had a big election this year. Um, 
And how has Brandon's Brandon's uh, uh, you know becoming mayor? How has that affected the business world? And have you been have, have those been big news stories since Johnson got elected? Yeah, I mean, it was even before he got elected, right? Because he had he had a lot to say about the Chicago business community. So kind of the first step was once he got elected, he had to really, I think, kind of work to show like, hey, you can trust me, I'm fighting for all Chicagoans, not just some. And and I, I'm, I'm going to look after business interests as well. And I think, you know, I think he had to work hard to do that. I don't know that he's completely done it yet. Um, you know, that said, that's not a job. You, you could not pay me enough to do the job oh, of mayor, yeah, <laughs> right? Absolutely. You know, you, you, you would have people bitching at you constantly all day long, and there's no way you can please everybody. So you really cannot win at that job. You can, yeah. you can kind of try to please the most number of people. You can kind of have a bigger vision of what you want to accomplish, but you can't just make a sweeping change no matter how idealistic you are. You have to get the support of your constituents and, and your city council and all the other stakeholders, and you have to move people only as far as they're willing to move. It's like a thankless job. It sounds like a nightmare, frankly, to be I know. I, 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 I agree. terrible. <laughs> no, I agree. And every, every time like someone, you know, I'm like, why would you want to do that? And then, yeah. and this, and this city in particular seems like it's just a, just a, just a cursed job to be the mayor of this yeah. city in particular, you know? Uh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. I remember I was at, um, um, I was at Manny's Deli, you know, um, nice. um, on, on the runoff day. Because mm-hmm. uh, Cochran was doing a, a live uh, broadcast from, you know, WLS. They were doing a live broadcast from Manny's on the runoff day. And, uh, and he's like, come on down, man. You, you can have some sandwiches and we'll, we'll do like best political movies, you know, because of that was the thing. Mm-hmm. So I came down. I was live there. And so it was so funny because the place was packed um, and everybody was there. And when Vallis came in. You know, stop by, you know, because you have mm-hmm. to stop by. I mean, it's the South Side. You got to stop by Manny's <laughs> if you're running for mayor on, yeah. one, on a one day runoff. You got to go to Manny's, of course. You know, you want those constituents to be to see you. Vallis comes in. You could hear a pin drop in the place. <laughs> you know, like he walks in. He's kind of shaking hands. There was a, a you know, a, a small group here and a small group there that were like kind of excited and wake up to him. And they had cameras turned because they, they were, you know, they were, they were, uh, uh, the camera crews there, and you know, there were reporters and things like that. And obviously, mm-hmm. WLS, uh, where Cochran is, they were doing a live broadcast, and there Cochran was hosting and all that stuff. So there were people from the media there. Uh, he came in relatively quiet, just kind of hello, how's you know, you know, and uh, and he he stopped by and said hello to Cochran on the air. They interviewed him for a couple of minutes, and and then he walked away and he left. And no, no, no. So about uh, forty minutes later. Uh, Johnson shows up, the place goes apeshit. They go nuts. <laughs> yeah. And people are partying, the music starts, people are dancing around, flashbulbs, he's stopping, everybody's laughing, they're hey, shaking hands, hey! everybody. Would have, and at that moment, like literally at that moment when he walked in, I'm like, this guy's winning tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah. laughs> this guy's winning, you know? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but, but it was interesting to be in there and to be at Manny's, which was, an, you know, a pretty kind of an important place to be or you know an interesting place to be on that day at that time oh yeah for sure yeah Yeah. for sure so but following that kind of stuff for you know uh in the business world you've been doing this for years is there anything that um that stands out more i mean besides that we had a runoff this year um uh, uh, you know compared to you know you know covering this stuff for such a long time is there anything that that stands out for for this year's and for this year in terms of the election 
Well, not so much in, in terms of the election, but actually what stands out to me the most about this year has a lot to do with corruption, right? We had the the trial of the ComEd 4. We had a lot oh, of movement yeah. with Michael Madigan. We have, you know, the Burke trial is still happening and possibly wrapping up soon as we speak, right? So, you know, I, I to me it was about like for a second you, you kind of want to go, maybe there's a glimmer of hope that the Chicago machine is changing. But mm -hmm. then you're like, yes, but other people are coming up in the machine and learning the ways of the machine. And maybe the machine just kind of is self-reinforcing in that way. You don't know. Only time will tell. But it seemed like there was so much um, change around corruption in such a powerful way that it felt like like change. It wasn't isolated like like Blago, right? It, it felt different than Blagojevich. It felt, you know, we have the comment yeah. for Mike Madigan and Burke and all that kind of happening at once. It just felt like, oh, yeah, are we changing? Are we doing something different? No, yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, so yeah. we'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll see. I think I think the real tale will be what happens in the in the Madigan trial in the spring. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and, and everybody can get all the all that, all that good stuff at, uh, at Crane's Daily Gist and uh, everywhere yeah. you get your podcast, you can cover all that stuff. So uh, you're in L.A. You've been in. How long have you been out in L.A. now? Uh, five months. Five months. Five months. Wow, has it really been that long? Yeah. God, it just seems like yesterday you were there. But five months. I know, and and it's still. I mean, it's it's such a. Every time I turn a corner, I'm like, oh, that's a new thing I haven't seen because it's just so big, right? It's just yeah. so spread out as compared to Chicago. So right. it's it's still it still feels very new. It doesn't feel like I've been here that long because a I've been like busy as shit, and also because there's just so much to see, and also I do not have the benefit of the grid system here. <laughs> Every street is curved, so uh -huh. it's very yeah. easy to get lost. And I'm yeah. like, wait, how does this street wait? Wait, yeah. Sepulveda should be over here. Wait a minute, it turns? What? It curves? Yeah. Okay, you know, everything, it's it's much harder to get your bearings. So you just kind of have to like, you, you just can't drive at noon because you can't tell where the sun is. But then you're like, okay, the sun is west. All right, uh, right. that's the Pacific Ocean that way. <laughs> I Mountains kind, are that way, got it. <laughs> right, I can kind of twist my way to, to near to where I be, to where I have to be. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, let me ask and you And I'm still kind of waiting... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you. No, you're, you're waiting for what? I want to hear that. What? No, I was just going to say, I, I'm still kind of waiting for my, not that I want anything to happen, but I, I, I just want to like get my first earthquake experience oh, out I of know. the way. I want I it gotcha. over with so I can kind of feel what it is. And apparently they keep happening. I have the alerts on my phone and I keep getting them and I have felt absolutely nothing. So so your, your phone your phone is feeling them and letting you know that they're happening, but you're just like, nah, I didn't, nah, I got nothing. Are they happening yeah, in the middle I of the mean, night? Have they been happening in the middle of the night while you're asleep or... They happen all the time. I woke <laughs> up. I mean, I. they're all the time. They're constant. I mean, I actually had to change the threshold of notifications because I was like, yeah, I want to know all of them. But I was getting like 15 a day. Oh, so, geez. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked it up and, and my brother works, my brother's a geologist and he knows a lot about this kind of stuff. So right. he was like, you know, 3.0 is where people kind of start feeling them. If you don't have something really like a, if you have a cup of water in front of you, you might see something a little lower than 3.0, but, but three is kind of where you'll, uh, you'll kind of, some people will start feeling them and some people just don't feel them. A lot of it is like your own equilibrium. It, it depends on where you are and what you're doing at the time. If you're walking outside, you might not feel it unless it's a big wave as yeah. opposed to the shaky, shaky shake rumble kind. Yeah. If you're inside, if your building is, is relatively new and built to code, you might not feel it at all. So yeah, I, I haven't really felt one yet, even though I've gotten alerts. Mm. Now, uh, now you are in LA and it's the holidays. Um, mm -hmm. So now, is this your first time 
uh, spending the holidays and uh, are, do you do you do you do the menorah? Do you do all that stuff, Amy? Or, or... yeah, yeah? I'm absolutely, Team Hanukkah okay. for yeah. sure. Okay, I, I didn't know I, whether you, I didn't know whether you you practice that or you lit the so so. What are we on day seven, right, or day eight? It, no, it wrapped. It wrapped. It, it wrapped. Over. Like, Hanukkah's oh, I'm done. sorry. Okay, I'm yeah. yeah. That's how stupid yeah. I am. So, yeah. but it was recently, no, right? It wrapped good. recently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah just okay. a couple of days ago. Okay, a couple of days ago. All right, so you do the whole you, you do the whole Hanukkah thing. That's awesome. Now, is this your first time spending Hanukkah in a warm climate like this? It's probably not, but but in LA. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it is, and I keep I keep I don't have trust with the weather yet because I keep <laughs> thinking it's going to turn. Yeah, and like it it was seventy six on Saturday. And yeah. I was in shorts and a t-shirt and it was very beautiful outside. And, you know, I like was sending pictures to my family like, hey, look at the beautiful palm trees. And they were like, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> so is it weird to, to, to be there during the holidays? I mean, because, I, you know, um, I don't know, you know, you know, the writer director Shane Black, who wrote, uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, a uh, 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 lethal weapon and he wrote like yeah. a kiss kiss game bang bang he directed a lot of movies yeah. he likes to set his really sort of twisted comedy black comedy you know action mm-hmm. movies on christmas and most right. of them take place in la a lot of them take place in la um and they it always every time i watch those movies that take place in you know during christmas time or, or during the holidays in la it always just seems weird to me because i mean i look i've only lived in one place and that's chicago and you know in mm-hmm. december in chicago it's usually shitty it's cold there's snow and it looks like fucking winter so yeah, yeah. that supports the holidays in my <laughs> you know in my right. mind but right. what is it weird to be out there for, for for the holidays and what's it look like out there a little bit i mean i keep seeing People like people have put lights up in in the neighborhood and, and they've like wrapped the trunk of palm trees with lights and there's like blow up Santas on the roof and stuff like that. There was like one Santa that was like in a Hawaiian shirt, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like that because it's just not cold. Um, right. It gets it gets it's like cooled off in the when the sun goes down, it might go to like mm, 58. Oh, you know? my God. Not, not 50. Not yeah. all the way down to 58. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's not cold, but, but I'm, I mean, after decades in Chicago, I'm like, I, I, I adapted to that. So I still don't trust it. And I still kind of, kind of like keep thinking like, really, I can wear shorts today and I won't die. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I open the door. I'm like, yeah, no, it's super fucking hot. I actually am going to burn up in this. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot to get used to. It's kind of weird, but it's cool. You know, and people are just putting up their lights, doing their thing and doing whatever. Thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, happy holidays, LA style. Thank you. I guess. Thank you. Um, uh, well, we have to get back to, uh, you know, one, one of the, you know, let's talk about for people who might not know, we've been talking about this, um, you know, for a while now for the five months you've been out there. Uh, when you check in with us, we've been talking about it and, and you went out to LA uh, for, you know, projects and things like that. Explain to everybody mm-hmm. why you went out to LA and let's get an update on what's going on on those projects in the world of film or entertainment or whatever you're doing. Yeah. So, so, uh, I, I write, scre- I write screenplays and I produce and, um, I really kind of, uh, intensified that effort during the pandemic and, and it was kind of the right time to do that. And that led me out here. It was just easier to be here then they kind of just keep hopping on a plane every time I, need, I needed to be here and and the strike happened so that kind of worked in my advantage because it kind of gave me a minute to 
just kind of see the game a little bit and just sort of observe and have conversations that may I may not have been able to have just because there was sort of time. Everybody was sort of taking a breath during the writer's strike and the screen actor's yeah. strike, right? Yeah. So people were just kind of re refocusing. And I know a lot of agents were kind of like, well, I expect some attrition. And also now's a good time for me to look for new clients. And so like, I know people that got agents during the, the strike who are actors, right? Because they were like, well, you know, I can have, I have a minute to, I can kind of look, am I with the right agent or is it now the time to get an agent at all? Things like that. So I think there was a lot of that kind of feeling going on. Plus just being in a new place. I had a, I feel like I kind of had a minute to figure out where the damn grocery store is, you right. know, without, right. without yeah, like the sure. panic of, it, Oh, I got to get to this meeting, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, and, and, and there's something to be said for just kind of being able to just meet people and be here and, and have those face-to-face -face kind of conversations. Um, I have some feature scripts that I, that I'm, that I've co-written that I'm trying to get out in the world, open road. Uh, that's the story of a woman who accidentally kills her husband and goes on the run. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's kind of a dark, dark comedy. And I co-wrote that with director Rocco Cataldo mm -hmm. and then orange and blue. He's also the co-writer on that, that we adapted from David Morrell's short fiction. Um, David Morrell, uh, he, you know, yeah. if you're not a big horror I'm, reader, I'm a, but you are, you know, I, yeah, I'm absolutely familiar with yeah. his writing. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, so Morrell, but, but most absolutely. people, please like, tell him, you, tell everybody about him, please. If you, if you're like not in the horror space, the, the, like Captain America and first blood Rambo or the, the, yeah. like, those are the titles that are going to get you to Morrell. And, um, but he has, he has this really gorgeous, gorgeous short story called Oranges for Anguish, Blue for Insanity. Um, it came out in the late eighties and, and I read it just a year or two later and absolutely loved it. So it's really special to me to be able to work on it and adapt that work. Cause I have probably told no fewer than 2000 people to read that story over the years. Cause it's so good. And it's yeah. just so creepy and weird. Um, and it's a story of an impressionist painter, and it's kind of loosely modeled after Van Gogh. Um, he has a different name in the in the story, but but everybody who studies him over the years, all the art historians, end up dying the same way in this really mysterious and creepy kind of gruesome way. Yeah. And so it's the story of this um, this art historian who his friend does the same, and so he goes like, okay, enough's enough. I got to go figure out what the hell's going on. Um, and so it's it's that story, and uh, you know we adapted that. And so you know having those having those scripts out and packaging them and learning to package well and and even refining that i kind of thought i knew uh i was very good at packaging but even that i've i've kind of um gotten better at over the last maybe year or year and a half or so um and so just having those conversations to get to get support for them to, to get them made uh one open road is a is a lot smaller budget than than orange blue and so it's kind of two different conversations yeah and they're two a little you know different styles one's horror and one's one's kind of this this dark comedy and and doing that and then meeting a lot of people i produced one short um and then I'm just starting to work on another one right now. And, you know, shorts are great. And a lot of times people kind of consider short films as like this, oh, you just make the, make a short so you can get, you know, eyeballs and build audience to, to then make your feature. And I don't really see short films that way. There's a much bigger appetite for short films in Europe than there is here. 
and distributors really don't look at them here where they do in Europe in a different way. I think they're a completely valid and cool and freestanding art form. I think they're really cool. I love yeah. short films because it sure. kind of challenges you to tell a story in just like a bite of a story in a really succinct and powerful visual way. And I think mm -hmm. that's very cool. So yeah, there's yeah. A, a, fr a friend of mine who is a part of the Chicago Film Critics Association, a really good guy who used to review movies regularly on my radio show back on GN. Uh, his name is Colin Suter. And mm -hmm. Colin programs the shorts at the Chicago Critics Film Festival every May yeah. at the Music Box. And he's made short films. And uh, he's a guy who is just, uh, who is one of the biggest celebrators of short films, you know, yeah. uh, will go on the mountaintops and just tell everybody, short films are valid, they're awesome, and they're just as good as features in so many ways. And you can- Here, here. You can see the incredible talent of filmmakers in a seven-minute or 12-minute short just as much as you can in a 90- or a 200-minute movie. Um, Absolutely. And, and he is an incredible programmer. His two-day uh, program that he did as, you know, as part of the, f the, the festival last May, he does two days of, uh, you know, uh, of programs, uh, you know, uh, of shorts. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, there, wasn't a, there was not a stinker in the bunch that he chose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he also, another thing he does that's great, I mean, I think you would, you would, you would definitely uh, like this uh, or appreciate this. He programs them and puts them in an order that actually has a theme so that when I you're sitting that. there, you're sitting there for maybe two hours, maybe you know, a little bit longer than two hours, there's an arc to what mm -hmm. you're watching. It starts out a certain way and ends a certain way. And, 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 and both, of his, you know, both of those days were beautifully structured. They were, there was not, there was not a, a bad short in the bunch. And there were a couple of things were that, that, in my opinion, were two of the best films that I've seen all year, regardless of length. And so, yeah, short yeah. films, man. I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. But yeah, Colin is the guy. Totally. He writes for, by the way, he writes for RogerEbert.com too. He reviews shorts for RogerEbert.com. Terrific guy. Cool. Terrific guy. Yeah. Love that. Love yeah. that. So shorts are, shorts are, shorts are legit. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the Elvis movie that I've been talking about, right? That's, that's like a, a slice of a bigger story, right? It's a slice right. of this road trip. And, and there were all kind of cool things, right? There was animals on set. There were planes. Yeah. There's yeah. an Aurora yeah. Borealis. There's all this great stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and that was so fun to do and so meaningful. And, you know, what I have been really loving lately is, is even though it was a relatively short shoot, um, Everybody really, I mean, some people, because we hired the crew and cast locally, um, a lot of people, you know, I would say a lot of people, maybe half the folks knew each other already. The other half were kind of meeting at the, for the first time. Right, but right. people who met for the first time, I'm seeing them going and doing stuff together. So in particular, our our set medic, um, this guy, Andy, Andy Graham, who's just amazing. He's like the unofficial mayor of this town where we were out on the Kitsap Peninsula. Yeah. Um, he he's also a pilot and he's on the board of this pilots association well i see on facebook like he and the assistant director were like out flying the other day and, and that means a lot to me because that says like it was a good experience and people bonded and you know that's the standard right that to me that's that's the standard put the drama in front of the camera not behind it you know there's yeah. no reason for like d diva hothead kind of stuff you know there's yeah, no yeah. reason for that yeah. um and and it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a feature or a short if it's a one day shoot or a, or a 21 day shoot it doesn't matter i think you know to really have a like a good working environment and and help make people feel supported so they can do their best work right if you know like hey this is what you're here to do and this is why i've hired you because you're good at this like people will run with it and do their absolute best work and that's when you have great 
work and it doesn't matter if it's a short or a feature or, you know, or, or whatever it is. So true. Yeah. Well, now, now, you know, you mentioned the Elvis film and um, you were not able to get it into Sundance um, or, or Slamdance, but you're still going to be submitting it for other festivals around around the country and around the world. Correct. I have submitted it to many festivals. The, the first thing, of course, I was looking for that first week of December was was, uh, you know, South by Southwest, Sundance and Slamdance. Those are the yeah. ones. Uh, 17,000, according to the rejection letter I got, which was very polite, uh, 17,000 entries in Sundance this year. So I'm like, I don't oh, feel man. that bad. Oh, <laughs> 17,000. <laughs> I mean, wow. that's a lot. That is that's a yeah, lot. That's <laughs> definitely a lot. Um, you know, I, mean, I mean, I've been, I've been on the programming side and I've screened for a couple different, but like, that's a, that no. gives me anxiety to think about 17,000 Can you imagine, films. can you imagine trying to sift through, sift through those and then watch a lot of those? I mean, my God, I can't even. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. And then Slamdance had, they said they had 9,000 entries this year. Jesus. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, you can't even feel bad when you hear numbers like that. You're like, yeah, yeah. okay, you had a really hard job. Thank you for even looking at my film. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, I've talked about this before, like what you want to do is um, you want to kind of secure the most like prestigious and best attended festival possible for your world premiere. And then you want to do that again for each city. So that's what we're kind of waiting on. We're not going to hear, I think there's not another notification date until maybe early January. So we're still kind of waiting to hear because once we know kind of when that world premiere is going to be, if it's not somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, we'll probably hold a private screening for the cast and crew just because I think they're all, you know, kind of itching to see it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ready to see how it kind of turned out. And yeah. as long as it's a private screening, you can still have that like premiere. You still meet the yeah. premiere requirement, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. yeah. it'll be fun. Well, now, speaking of projects, you did, uh, <laughs> you know, because every time we talk and it's usually once a month or once every, you know, couple, like once every six weeks or something like that, we, we we get to visit each other on the on the podcast, which is always a joy for me, by the way. Um, same, uh, same. I, I, uh, I, you sent me a, and I always say, Hey, it's, we're coming up on the date and, uh, give me a, an email with some topics and, and shit you want to talk about. Yeah. And you were like, yeah, I, uh, my first big project kind of, you had some issues. You kind of did. You, you, <laughs> use, you use the word implode. I don't know if that's, you know, yeah. correct or it did. what would you like to tell us about that? And what was yeah. the lesson there? And, um, <laughs> yeah. So let's, is that something you would like to share with the rest of the, of the class? I <laughs> yes, I, yeah. Ms. Guth, would you like to share the rest of the class? It is. So, um, I mean, I, yes. Yeah, so there was a, a big project that I got approached about over the summer and, um, it would have been a very big, you know, a big fucking deal. It would have been big. Um, I have plenty of big fucking deals in me. So I'm, I'm like, if I can do it once I can do it again. So I'm not crushed. Yeah. Let's, let's lead with that. Yeah, of course. Um, but it was really like shaping up to be, to be this wonderful story. It was a feature documentary. Um, and then some cracks started to show and some other cracks started to show <laughs> and then more cracks. And at one point it appeared that a, um, uh, a celebrity was going to be involved as the executive producer and that mm. got real hairy real quick. Uh -huh. And, and I made a decision about how I do and do not want to show up in Hollywood because, you know, I think the the prevailing wisdom is that unless you're famous in this town, you don't get a vote. Fuck you. Take the crumbs that the famous people will throw you. Mm -hmm. And and I, I don't know if it's because like this 
person and I were, were like close, we're about the same age. And so okay. I was like, man, we're fucking peers. I don't care if you got more money than me. Fuck you. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. And, and I just had this moment where I was like, you know what? That's not how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Like we're all going to come to the table and be cool and be right and be honest with, with each other and not jerk each other around because we all want the same thing and we all want to do good work. Or if that's not what you want and you want to like kind of, you know, like wave your dick and have power stuff, then I don't want it. I don't want yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I, you know, in like a really diplomatic way, I kind of let it be known, hey, I just want to make sure everybody, and I, I'm, I was the producer on this. So I was like, hey, I want to make sure everybody is on board to do really positive, good work and work together as a team. And I kind of mm-hmm. let it be known in a diplomatic way. And then it, it really started to crumble pretty quickly when it, when it became clear, like I was not going to put up with bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And, and so like, that was one takeaway where I was actually, I had to think about it. Like, you know, if I was like in my twenties, it, it would be different. Cause I'd be like, yeah. wow, that famous person even bothered to talk to me, but I was actually just like, no, nah, man, no, nah, that's not how we're going to Good for you. It's not how it's going to go. Like, I, because I would have been fucking miserable, right? It would have been pulling teeth. It would have been very difficult. It would have been a lot of like just drama the whole way. Anyway, so it like kind of started to unravel some other information emerged that was, that would have, I'm so glad it emerged before I started working on it because it would have been really bad to have started on it. Um, yeah much less in a public way to know that like the the topic was actually maybe um i mean look you you put a journalist on something they're going to find it out right so mm-hmm. it wasn't so i had i kind of came in as the um not only as producer but like i'm also going to wear the journalism hat here on this yeah, so like yeah. nobody bullshit me cuz i exactly. we're not making fluff pieces here right so so i think it's like that and then also i think half the battle here is deciding what you will and will not tolerate because otherwise you'll get thrown so fucking far off your center and you won't mm-hmm. you know you're gonna be like i feel like shit about that project because like man it sucked and it was hard and i was babysitting this diva or whatever and and i just wasn't willing to do that like you know we've all been around that shit. we've all met people like that and we're just like no thanks at some point you're just like no and and at some point i think you get to a point in your life where you're like to participate in that i'm like enabling shit behavior and i'm just not going to do that you know and so it's that but then it's also like i think half the other half the battle is like can you regulate your own you know emotions for the roller coaster that is this town because like there was a day where i believed it was about to be completely funded ready to go things are happening let's go and within 72 hours it was off And so that is a high, high met like on the, just right behind a very low, low of like, what the fuck just happened? So I put on Instagram, like I went to Instagram or I went out to, you know, Santa Monica pier and it was just kind of standing there with like ocean for a minute. And I, I kind of made this vow, like, okay, I'm never going to be in that fucking position again. But also I like what I put on Instagram was like, wow, it sure is a roller coaster in this era of my life. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, yeah. you know, that that's really what it was. And it was like, I think it's really important, no matter how bad you want it, you have to decide where the line is for you and like what you're willing to accept, what you're not. And, and then like, I think the third lesson is like, shit is not quote unquote greenlit until it is underway. <laughs> like, gotcha. I don't care how close you get, right? Right. It is, I, I absolutely was in a position where it was, I could have started making 
very big, I mean, I had started making some plans, right, of of like how this would work in my life and what the next few months were going to look like. And it went away really fast. So, but I mean, ultimately it got weird and I was like, mm, this is for the best. And I think it's okay because I would have had to like mess with my own boundaries a lot to be sure. good here. Um, but it was, it was fucking wild. And I think it was like, it was easily a decade worth of therapy in the span of a couple of weeks, for sure, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it certainly, uh, uh, you know, it certainly is a lesson learned. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I came out on the other side with a lot of clarity, right? Okay. And and you know, and then subsequent conversations I've had about things, I've yeah. I've like now, had my antenna has been up in a different way. Okay, now you're gonna have to tell me at some point um, who the celebrity is, so I can kick that person's ass. So that's a that's just. <laughs> I know just, I'm, I I will. And I also <laughs> am like a little bit worried about telling you cause I, I actually went to your Facebook and I was like peeking a little bit, just like a layer back. I was like, has Nick ever mentioned this person for good oh, or bad? Because okay. <laughs> cause I was like, yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't think that you, oh, well, I think actually you have, but I, I oh, don't I know what you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now I color me intrigued. And you've yeah. definitely, you've definitely intrigued all the people who are listening to this right now. Like, hmm, yeah. hmm, hmm. I wonder yeah. who that is. Well, we won't say, right. uh, you know, but uh, maybe at some point, at the, after all this has passed and some time has passed, maybe you'll feel free to tell everybody um, That's right. You know who the Jagoff was, and uh, so we'll see. That's right. Well, my this chapter, of my memoir, will be quite good for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's up next for you? Um, you got those two films that you've that you've co-written. Uh, working on getting that stuff. Yeah, done. and then what's on the what, there's what's a sort third, of on the media. Yeah. There's a well, there's a third that I co-wrote, and that is the screenwriter for Elvis, Pam Mandel. She and I oh, right. co-wrote the adapt adaptation for her memoir. That's right. That yeah. is like that's also kind of in the docket of things I'm pitching and, and looking for support for the issue with that one is just, it's a lot bigger film because it mm -hmm. involves many countries and lots of different sets. So it's just kind of a bigger project. So it's yeah. on the docket and it's part of everything I pitch, but kind of these other two are first because they're a little more accessible films to, to, you know, and, and like film, film support begets other film support, right? Got like it. once you have one feature out, you get, it's easier to get the next one out. Yeah. So Okay. Um, so that, you know, that's the big thing. And then figuring out, figuring out where Elvis will premiere. That's right. That's the, that's the, that's the big one. That's the one that we're all uh, yeah. looking forward to. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, you know, Amy, you should talk to the guys at, um, you should talk to, uh, to Colin Suter. Um, yeah, I will. With the, with the Chicago Critics Film Festival. That's in May. Um, yeah. And I think it would be extraordinary to have that play there this coming May. That would be amazing, I think. So, yeah, I would. Well, you should I'll have talk to, to give Colin. that guy a shout. Give give Colin. He's, he has two L's in his. He, he spells Colin mm -hmm. with two L's. So and I'll go. Nick DeGilio sent me. That's exactly Hi. right. And he'll say, "Oh shit, him." He'll be like, "I'm calling the police on you, lady." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, listen, Amy. Uh, it's always a, a joy to talk to you. Um, and, always uh, a pleasure. We'll talk to you in a, in a few weeks, like six weeks or so. Have a great uh, yeah. holiday season. Have a great new year. Um, Thank you. You do the same. And uh, and stay stay warm in uh, in L.A. <laughs> I'll try. It might get that. down to fifty five one it night. Might, oh my god! <laughs> Gonna have to bundle up. Uh, Crane's <laughs> Crane's Daily Gist, and it's daily, and you can check it out wherever you get your podcast. You can also follow Amy and everything that she does at Amy Guth. That's G U T H. Amy dot com. And we'll talk more about what's happening in the in the Amy Guth world in L.A. Uh, in January. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks. Nick. All right, Amy. You're the best. Okay, that's the great Amy Guth. We're going to talk to Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Yeah.
Leon, that's her theme. That means it's time to talk to the great Esmeralda Leon, who we always do, right here on the Nick D podcast. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm all right. Been crazy. Um, I've been, you know, telling people what's been going on. Uh, there's been some mm-hmm. crazy, crazy stuff happening with my folks right now. They're elderly, and my mom is having some issues mentally and physically, and my father is having some issues that require him to be the hospital. And uh, it looks, Esmeralda, yeah. it looks like my dad is going to need a pacemaker. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he'll be all electrically charged uh, after he's <laughs> He's got to plug him in. Yeah. Um, but I've talked to so many people, and the doctors are like, it's, it's gotten to the point now where it's like routine. And literally mm-hmm. getting a pacemaker put in is so much different than when you think about it, you know, back in the 70s and 80s and things like that. Oh, the, yeah. The procedure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The procedure takes less than an hour. Isn't that insane? I mean, it's it's very interesting what is done now um, just for certain things. Yeah. Like a lot of stuff they don't really have to, quote unquote, open you up anymore. Right. Because they can make small incisions and then just right. stick a machine or stick a robot in there and the robot and, does all the work. Yeah. And they, they were like, you know, like otherwise, because he was, I'll tell you something. I didn't know this over the weekend. Just to, you know, I'll share with people. I had to take my father into the emergency room over the weekend. He wasn't breathing very well. He was really, really sick and he was nervous. And there's all kinds of other things that are attributing to this that I won't get into now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we took him in and Esmeralda, his heart rate was 20 beats per minute. So that's not good. No. And I have no idea it was that bad. And he was not showing any kind of like, you know, like any behavior or anything like that that would indicate that. Like when we brought him into the emergency room and they started to, you know, you know, I was in the I was in the emergency room. I was in the bay with him, you know, on the bed when they brought Mm -hmm. him in. And and I was like, oh, he's like have like because it's a very tense time and my dad has anxiety and he shakes a lot sometimes. And you know, like his worrisome nature then manifests itself physically. And it doesn't help the fact right. that he's on medications and he's got like a, a leaky heart valve that he's had worked on before in the past and all that stuff he mm-hmm. could take with medications and stuff. So at this time and how tense it is and what's going on, I was like, okay, so he's going to need like maybe some sedatives or something to calm him down. And then, you know, you, when you're standing in the uh, the emergency bay and, uh, you know, your father's being put onto, uh, you know, to the, to, the, to the gurney and stuff and on the track and they're hooking him up to all kinds of stuff. When uh, at one point, when five or six people immediately walk into that bay, you go, "Uh oh, you know, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like something's going on. Yeah. You're like, you know, you might want to step on the other side of the curtain. I was like, oh, OK. Like I had no like I went in there thinking, OK, get him to the hospital. We'll give him some meds and, you know, we can take him out. Um, and mm-hmm. so when five people come in very quickly into the emergency bay and say you can wait on the other side of the curtain, you're like, oh, shit. Uh, wow. OK, so. So it was good that we got him in there on uh, on that morning, yeah. and um, yeah, they ran yeah, a bunch yeah. of tests, and they gave him a they gave him a thing. But and 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 here's the other thing: my father, while this is all happening, my father is telling jokes, like literally in the emergency room, <laughs> twenty beats per minute. My dad is telling jokes. I mean, hey, 
Yeah. There's always an audience. <laughs> always an audience. And by the way, he, he altered his material. And this is a guy who's like completely out of it. He's 20 beats per minute. He's shaking. He's completely in bad shape. Pale as hell. Okay. And he altered his material so that every joke he told to every attendant or specialist or anybody who was treating him in the emergency room frantically, he altered the material so it was all medical material. It was all medical jokes. Nice. Nice. I was like, man, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. Hey, you know? he knows how to cater to, to his audience. His, his blood pressure <laughs> is dangerously low. He's 20 heartbeats per minute, and he's still doing medical material. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> So anyway, um, so long story short, my dad is probably going to have to have a pacemaker. They're working on all, they're running all kinds of tests. He's been in the hospital now since, uh, you know, for about three days now. And I'm, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. heading off to visit him. I'll be spending all the time with him and stuff like that. But he's going to have this procedure and it's been a weird time. I will say this though, Esmeralda, I, I, you know, I have seen more, um, more insides of a hospital in the past few weeks than I have in a long time. And boy, I just don't, I'm, I didn't miss it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think most people do unless you are a medical yeah. professional. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, God, it's amazing. I mean, it just, and, and I will say this, there was one hospital that we, that we went to that was questionable and not so good because there was an emergency mm -hmm. involved. There was a nine one one thing involved and that, and you know, and that, and, and that required the nine one one people to take them to the closest hospital, which yeah. definitely wasn't the best. But in this situation, we took him to a, uh, to the hospital, a hospital that I knew that had been around for a long time, that has a great reputation, and where his primary and cardiologist work out of. So we were able to choose oh, it. There you go. So that makes it, you know. So this experience working with this hospital, as opposed to a few weeks ago when we were at a different hospital for a different reason, night and day, night and day. Yeah. So, but uh, have you ever had to spend? Have you ever spent a significant amount of time in the hospital, Esmeralda? Yeah, my dad had a. Uh, bypass right. some years back. Right now, was it Joliet in the hospital in Joliet? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and you just uh, and like, you know, and everybody's like, it, but uh, you know, everybody's like, okay, well, there's you know, you got you got like this. Was the cafeteria any good at the at the at the Joliet hospital? Um, not particularly. I'm not. I'm I'm not quite sure because we would go back and forth. Yeah. Um, right. Right. We would, someone would stay and then you would go would, and get some rest and get leave, some food and, and then, then come yeah. back. Yeah. You would have shifts. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I can't do that because it's just me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I'm an only child, so it's just me. And, you know, I'm, while I'm visiting one parent who's not doing well, the other parent's not doing well either. Yeah. So it's been a little fucked up <laughs> lately. Um, I will say this my, my girlfriend, Julie, uh, has been a rock, um, has helped me a lot. Um, like, in, in immeasurably during this whole thing. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've been, you know, like I, I, I've been eating a little hospital food, you know, uh, lately and, and, mm -hmm. it's, and you know, it's not that bad. You know, it, I know a lot of hospitals have bad reputations and all that stuff. So, but, but you know, it, my dad is just like, like when I visit him uh, and I'm going to visit him in just a little bit here after we finish recording, I'm going to visit him. But like, he's just like, man, all they do is bother you here. You can't sleep. You know, <laughs> they come <laughs> yeah. in and they stick you. Uh, they yeah. got to take blood. They stick something up your ass. They take it, you know, and he's got like he had some because of what was happening with his heart that affected his kidney. So they were like running all kinds of kidney. You know, they're doing all kinds of like, you know, people are hitting them with jelly and they're doing all kinds of um, they're doing all kinds of uh, uh, like, you know, sonograms and things like that. And he's just like, Jesus, I can't even like he falls asleep and someone comes in, 
takes blood, you know. But that's the hospital visit, man. It's <laughs> one of the last places in the world that you're expected to get any rest is in a hospital, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but he's like, uh, yeah. So anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so it's just it's been it's been it's been crazy. So, uh, and and is that have you ever had any other experiences at any other hospitals besides the one in uh, in Joliet? No, no, that was just it. Not, yeah, that's it's that one. Been How, it so far. And how long ago was that? Your dad, your dad had the bypass. Um, God, at least ten years now. Oh, that's great. Then he's good. Then he's then it, it uh, it, you know, it, it, obviously it 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 helped him immensely after that. Oh yeah, no, he was um, well, you know, it was a thing of like we didn't know at the time. He yeah. fortunately, like, he didn't have, he didn't have like a heart attack, or at least from what we know. Right. Because they said, oh, like, this could have been one. And you just, we weren't aware of it. And you didn't it. know it. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, he went in. I forget why exactly. Like, he was having some kind of pain and he was at the doctor. And they were like, you need to go to the emergency room right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, fortunately, it was, like, caught before anything yeah. super, like, you know, there was no emergency. Like, yeah. you know, he was, he went on his own. It wasn't a thing of like oh, an ambulance needed to be yeah, called yeah. or anything. Yeah. So he had an appointment already to go, and then or he went. No, he went on his own because he had some pain. Yeah, he was oh. going. Yeah, he went yeah. to the doctor to like a quick care or something. Yeah, gotcha. And yeah. then I think they were like, no, nope, this is nope. bad. We're checking you in right now. Yeah, that's sometimes yeah. that's scary when that happens. I went in um, many many years ago. I had like a kidney um, issue. That's like 30, 35, 36, 37 years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I went to the emergency room and they checked me out and they were like. Oh, you know, we'll figure out what's going on. And they scheduled some tests and I went in for a test, just drove in, you know, to, to the hospital, they put me in a room and they went in for a test and then they found blood clots throughout my legs. Oh um, no. And they were like, yeah, we're checking you into the hospital. I'm like, what? And I went in there just, you know, under the assumption that I would, it was an outpatient test. I would get the results at some point and we would, you know, and the next thing I know I'm in the hospital and, you know, they were like, yeah, you know, uh, there were bl- like blood clots in your legs that could have gone onto your lungs or your heart and you die and you could have died. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very. It's very strange, man. You never know what's going on. You don't. So. But anyway, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the place that my dad is. My dad's in a my dad's in a great hospital. Okay. Right um, and I and, and um, yeah. And, the, and everybody has been so supportive. And, and they all love my dad. Like he, they come in. Anybody who comes in jokes, the whole thing, you know, all that stuff. Um, so that's good. Yeah. So, but it's tense time, weird time. And, uh, so there you go. All right. Anyway. Uh, so that's why we, you know, like behind the scenes, you know, like Esmeralda and I've been talking like, Hey, can you record this at, 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 a, at this ridiculous hour? And you've been very flexible and I'm thank, I thank you very oh, much yeah. for, for, for doing that. So anyway, all of right. Course. So we, I'm going to try to play catch up on one magic megaphone today. All right. Okay. For people who might not know what the magic <laughs> megaphone is, um, this is when people can uh, e- email us or they can voicemail us. And the voicemail number is 773-417-6948. The email is nickdpodcast at gmail.com. With instructions. I'm just a monkey, Esmeralda. You know that. I'm a performing monkey. <laughs> right. And, and if you want me to say something into the megaphone or record something into the magic megaphone, it will go out into the ether and it's a personal message or a joke or a line from a movie, whatever you want to be spoken into or recorded into the magic megaphone and be a part of the podcast, you can say whatever you want and make me say it or do it or whatever, and I'll do it. So leave your messages. Well, 
William is in Rock Island, and that's the idea is to is to you know, and and a lot of these are very very funny, Esmeralda. You know, mm-hmm. um, so here's one that I find the and the story behind it is particularly amusing. This is William. He's in uh, Rock Island, and mm-hmm. uh, I'll play mm-hmm. it, okay, and uh, and then I'll explain it, and I think you'll be able to understand. It's very brief. This is a quick one, and you know, as you know. When I play back the magic megaphone, it's on repeat, so you'll hear the message a few times. Okay. So I'll explain what it is. It'll be you'll you'll hear it, and I think you'll understand the word, but then you'll be like, "What the hell is that? Why?" But I'll explain it to you. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Okay. So. <laughs> all right. Okay. So. All right. So. So you hear the word? Yes. Toodaloo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, William wanted me to record that because that's how his sister, to this day, she's older, and that's how his sister still says goodbye when you talk on the phone. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, now, have you ever, uh, um, do you, have you known anybody or is your, have your parents or your brother or anybody else answered the phone in weird ways, you know, or said goodbye in weird ways. You know what I mean? Um, cause, cause that my mom used to say toodaloo years and years ago really? like back in the seventies, she'd go toodaloo and then hang up. And I found it, you know, when I, when oh, I read, okay. when I read William's email, I was like, wait a minute, somebody else besides my mother in the seventies. And this woman, his sister still says toodaloo when they hang up the phone. I mean, that makes me think it was a thing then. I, maybe it was. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I lived in a peculiar household when I was growing up. Um, you know, well, maybe and I, and, so did this guy. <laughs> yeah. So, but has anybody ever has anybody ever answered the phone strangely or uh, or anything? Have you have you had weird what, what some weird phone conversations at all over the years? Um, I mean, uh, I don't think anyone's oddly said hello or goodbye. I don't think. Yeah, in weird ways. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I rem- no, I'm not. I don't remember any. I, I, I remember I was standing Nothing in line. Check out. This is about 20 years ago. I was standing in line, and this is just very me and very specific and very stupid, Esmeralda. But you can understand this. I was standing in line at the WWE restaurant that used to be in Times Square in New York. They used to have a big. Oh, all right. The WWE yeah. at that time was WWF. So the WWF Times Square restaurant, you know. And at that time, in the, this was like 2000. This was like 2000. Um, at that time, you know, the WWF was big, and they had just opened the – it's closed since then, you know. Um, you know, probably put out of business by a TGI Friday or something. I have no, I have no idea. But, but it was like a TGI Friday for wrestling fans, you know. So I was standing in line to get a book signed by Triple H, who was a wrestler. And I remember this. I'm standing in line, and, and this was like – this was the year 2000, so it was early cell phones. You know, like at that point, people had them, you know, but not mm-hmm. every not everybody in the world had them. And they weren't yet smartphones by that point. They were just, you know, cellular phones. So I remember I was waiting in line and this guy's cell phone rings and he just picks it up and goes, go into the. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like he didn't say hello. He just picked it up and went, go, expecting the person to immediately launch into whatever they were saying testing this guy's patience just by answering the phone and i and he did it like three times because we were in line for like an hour yeah <laughs> and like every time his phone rang he'd go go and i'm like jesus christ so i always thought that was um i always thought that that was um pretty interesting hilarious. yeah yeah 
That sounds like he means business, and he yeah. doesn't have time. He doesn't have time. He's waiting in line to get Triple H's autograph at the WWF <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> he could have been called yeah. to see Triple H at any moment. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. didn't want to waste it. He didn't his neck? No, no, no. I got important things to do. I'm standing in line. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like January. It was really cold out. I'm standing in line in the middle of January to get <laughs> to get uh, you know uh, uh, to get an autograph, and I, I don't have time for for you know for any of this. So just get to it. Go, go. Of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, did you ever do prank phone calls when you were a kid, Esmeralda? Um, no, because no? we I was of the time where you can call oh. people back <laughs> you can uh hit star 69 and they could call you back immediately <laughs> yeah exactly i was i was of the i was in the 70s so you could do prank phone calls and stuff like that like i remember it was a big deal when we got call waiting i remember that was like oh you know it was a bit it was like oh my god technology call waiting yeah yeah so <laughs> it's uh yeah <laughs> But that was—I remember that being a uh, uh, that that being a, a really big deal. And now, call wait. And the other one was like he had a. There was like a wasn't there another like party line, right? You uh, get, what do you mean, like literal party lines, like nine no, hundred numbers? No, 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 no. Like, you, like you could have like call waiting on your phone. There were things that you could have. There was call waiting, mm -hmm. and then like two lines, so that like you could have two people on at one line at the same time. So that was the the party line. Like oh. You know, like okay. you could like yeah, yeah. call someone and then put them on hold, call somebody else and then click it. And then all three of you are on the same phone on the same conversation. Right. And that was radical. <gasps> oh, you know, yeah, like, I think like, I think. We, yeah, I think I remember doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, that, you know for sure we had call waiting, but yeah. I don't remember. I don't I think we could do the thing with the three. Yeah, the party line thing. Well, I mean, party line, obviously, mm -hmm. now that, that, you know, when we think about that, the connotations are 900 numbers, party line, and you're getting ripped off. Right. You know? um, or you're calling, you know, like the Corys, you know, or, or somebody. Remember when the celebrities had those 1-800 numbers, those 900 numbers? Yeah, uh, and they'd be like, talk to me anytime, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it was just like a recording of them. <laughs> right. You call up and it was like $4 a minute, you know, and it would yeah. be like Corey Feldman plug and dream a little dream, you know, like, or something. Yeah. I remember the Simpsons where Lisa got like really obsessed with the core. Oh, and they were called the Corys, weren't they? On the on that episode, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who it was, but yeah, I, she was calling I, some 900 number. Yeah, that's that. right. That's right. I remember. I remember that too because that's one of the few times where Lisa did something that wasn't like dumb. That was dumb. You know. You know what I mean? Because normally yeah. she's like the, the the straightforward person. Mm hmm. You know what my I, I think we talked about this before. You know what my favorite thing about Lisa is? What's that? My favorite thing about Lisa, and a lot of people are like, could she plays a saxophone? And I'm like, no, that's awesome that she plays a saxophone. That's awesome. That's great. But my mm -hmm. very favorite mm -hmm. thing about um about Lisa Simpson is that she laughs at itchy and scratchy. That no matter how smart she no, is. Well, she's not yeah. she has a she's a child, she has a yeah. soul. And I love, I know, I know. And I love that because like, so she's so like, she's always the principled one. She's the smartest one. She's got values. You know, she's the, v she's a, she's a vegan and you know, she's got political thoughts and everything. And yet she still laughs her ass off at a Gene Scratchy. And I love that. I'm like, yeah, Lisa Simpson loves stupid humor. That's fantastic. It makes her more human, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love that about her. But yeah, I think they were Corey's.
I think they were Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, like in real life. But I think the writers just used the name, well, the name Corey, because everybody could identify with yeah. that, you know, immediately. But I think they were it's Corey's. Corey. Yeah, it's the Corey's. And she like, I think the bill, the bill was like a hundred, like hundreds of dollars or something in Homer. I, if I remember correctly, right, Homer freaked out or something about it. Yeah, and I think she used the phone at school as well. That happened. <laughs> she was trying to, like, stop herself, and she just couldn't do it. And she yeah. was at school doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Now, no, when, okay, when was your first cell phone? Um, It was in, like, 99, okay. 2000. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a regular cellular phone. It was a flippy. Was it a flip flip? Um, yeah, it had the the bottom flipped. Oh, the little bottom on the yeah. Okay, and the antenna. Did you have to pull the antenna up? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and what would you use it for? This is like nineteen. You said in the late nineties. So 90s? I had it in yeah. I had it in high school, but it was just to because you couldn't even have a cell phone in in high school. You weren't allowed to bring it in. Right. So I would always just leave it in the car. Um, so it was essentially just for emergencies or if I needed something. Okay. Um, and then when I went to college, I took it with me. And again, it was supposed to only be for emergencies. And I used it to call friends and things. And the bill would be insane <laughs> because all the people that I lived that lived around me weren't a lot of them weren't from the city anymore right so right. these were not local calls yeah god can you <laughs> and at imagine the time that? yeah I mean, a local call wasn't it couldn't be a local call yeah now like you can call anybody um with any cell phone number and whatever it doesn't matter it's all right. the same price but before right. yeah they would charge you yeah for different locations so like if you're call if you're because you went to depaul so if you're in in chicago like on fullerton and you want to call somebody who's in Joliet, you're going to get jacked on that on that bill. Yeah, or if someone had a cell phone that was not from here. Oh, that's right. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and their phone number was from somewhere else. Yeah, you would oh, get charged isn't a that lot. Crazy, just to think about that. Isn't that nuts? Uh, so yeah, I got in trouble because did you? the bill came, and they're like, "Why are you making all these phone calls?" Yeah, yeah. And then do you remember like uh, your progression of cell phones, Esmeralda? What, what, what is the cell phone progression story for Esmeralda? Um, well, I used a lot of, um, I, I refused to not use a phone with a keyboard. Oh, okay. So I always had phones that had keyboards. Did you have a BlackBerry? Did you do BlackBerry? No. No, okay. I did not. Yeah. I do not work in business. So no, yeah, I did not yeah. have a BlackBerry. Uh, well, I mean, that, that's got a badass keyboard, you know, from what I, clickety-clickety, and it's got all the clickety-clickety and stuff, so... Uh, but you had the keyboard. I had the keyboard too. When I when I got my very first, um, well, the first one's a flippy, but then the, like the, the 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 first cell phone that I had that had internet capability, even though it wasn't a smartphone, mm-hmm. um, it, it it flipped sideways, kind of like yeah. a BlackBerry, and yeah, then yeah. you would, yeah. and you could type with it, and um, but you remember when um uh, like just posting like a, a video would take like 10 hours. Like you would have like a little, <laughs> just to post something with your old flippy phone. Um, I mean, I wasn't trying to do any of that because I wasn't about to spend the yeah. money on the internet. The internet right. was yeah. insanely expensive. It was. it was like something per minute or something like that. I would always get scared when you would 
accidentally click into the internet and you'd be like, oh, God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want to get charged. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, we've got like plans and, you know, you can you can Google something, get the answer to anything within a millisecond in any part of the yeah. world with anybody. It's crazy. Uh, how, but yeah, those days when you're like, oh shit, my plan doesn't, you know, I can't, I can't talk to somebody in Norwich right now. <laughs> right. Can't. It's like, it's I, too much money. Yeah. Do you have a local phone number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, and I remember I didn't get a smartphone until, jeez, 2016 or something. Like I literally, mm. I mean, I had like a cell phone and whatever, but I used like a, to get on, to get on the internet and stuff. I had a tablet that I would use. Yeah. And then the phone, I would just like make phone calls, but then suddenly I was like, okay, I have to, obviously I have to get a smartphone and, um, yeah. So I don't know, but yeah. Uh, uh, did you, have you seen the movie Blackberry? The one that came out uh, earlier this year? No, uh, I didn't. It's not good. Um, but it is yeah. kind of. <laughs> It's not. It's it's actually really bad. Uh, but it it is kind of fascinating to to know just how incredibly popular that thing was, and how and you know it was a status symbol too, right? I mean, you had the BlackBerry that yeah. means you were I mean, successful business guy, were, right? Biz, yeah, we're yeah. business people. Yeah, using their Blackberries. Yeah, yeah. I never had one of those. Okay, uh, and and how many phones have you? Do, can you count how many phones you've had over the years? Oh, I couldn't tell you. No. <laughs> Do you like the one you have now? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a perfectly fine cell phone, mm -hmm. uh, smartphone. Yeah. Um, yeah, for the longest time I was fighting smartphones. Like uh -huh. I didn't I wanted a keyboard. I didn't I understand. I, like I, the I, fact that it was a screen. <laughs> I'm right with you. I was like, I, how do you type? What if it goes bad? Yeah. What if the screen wears out? It it's weird for sometimes, him. Esmeralda. It's weird how how much stuff that you know, like you and I don't know about each other that we have in common like that's a thing that's for me too the keyboard was a huge thing for me i'm like i don't want you know <laughs> yeah what i wonder what that is and what that i mean what well, I, I wanted to feel the keys yeah me too i didn't think that if it, a screen would have the like i would i assume that if you hit a certain area enough it would wear out and then i was like well then if that happens then the whole thing is broken <laughs> Right, you but know, on a on a thing, it's a that's a little keyboard. Like it's fine. Do you know that that they added like uh, the smartphones that were just you know just the screen, the ones that we have now that are just the flat screen that you do all the stuff mm -hmm. on. Um, that's actually talked about in the in that BlackBerry movie. Um, they talk about how how there are people like you and I who wanted the actual feel of the keyboard. Yeah, um, and the clickety click. You know, which was very gratifying. You know, uh, it really was. It was like, mm -hmm. you f and I agree with you a hundred percent on that. And they actually, when in, in the movie, because you know, as you know, the BlackBerry like peaked in insane popularity, and then because of Apple, died. Because when the iPhone came out, it plummeted. You know, its popularity plummeted. And yeah. when and in the movie, they're trying to deal with why people are doing the Apple, doing the iPhone, and stuff like that. And so they tried to upgrade it. And uh, and what what the uh, they talk about how the iPhone had the option where you could actually have your keyboard not your keyboard but your flat screen make that clickety sound as like sort of a comforting thing, you know? Yeah, and I don't, I still like I don't like that. I don't like the noise. Yeah, yeah. 
I wanted the feel of it because you, you can, can hear you can feel it like push under your finger. I, I know. I, listen, it's so weird. I have the same thing as Pharrell. Has anybody ever said what's wrong with you? Because I've heard that. I heard that a lot. Like, I mean, like, I was at the you know towards the beginning of smartphones. Yeah, because I was like, no, I need a keyboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I would buy. I kept buying. Yeah. phones that had keyboards <laughs> until i could no longer like until it right. was no longer viable I, yeah yeah exactly right i i'm, I'm totally with you that's exactly exactly i held i still have the i can see it from where i'm sitting it's on my coffee table i'm sorry my end table and i'm looking mm -hmm. at the phone that i had that like had a had a clickety click keyboard on the front and on the inside like a you know it would clickety click you would open it sideways and it would, and it's i'm looking at that phone right now i love that phone i loved it but yeah you know, well, what have you did? What did you have? You did you ever recycle your phones? Did you bring them into? To, yeah, to, yeah, they're no. all gone. They're all gone. I still have that one. I still have that one. But anyway, anyway, and now the question. Now the big question is: Do you have? Do you ever say toodaloo do you, at the end of a conversation? No, no you don't. Know, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Toodaloo. 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 Yeah, yeah. Toodaloo. Yeah, right. All right. All there right. is a lady. There is a lady on Instagram and TikTok or whatever, and she she does. Um, her content is all about uh, working and the mm. and the um, like working a corporate job and the balance of boundaries. Yeah, you know, like if they're gonna try to make you like work late and do all this, and you can be like, well, you know. I had plans um, after 5 p.m., so I will not be available in this. So she does, like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then her sign-off is to say toodaloo. Oh, it is. So she does little – she'll do skits. <laughs> she'll do skits where she's, like, talking to a bit, um, her coworkers or whatever, her boss or whatever. And then, yeah, yeah every time it's her, her call-out thing is toodaloo. Oh, I guess that's a thing then. <laughs> I guess that's yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so, so after her presentations, when she's done, you know, doing her presentations, she she closes with toodaloo. Yeah, because they're all um, her having like working from home and doing meetings and Zoom calls. Right. So then, yeah, when she says goodbye to them, she says toodaloo. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I remember. Um, uh, yeah, I remember that the the, the family uh, we used to hang out uh, my uh, during um, you know when I was growing up we used to hang out with this they were family friends of my, of my folks and they would go there on Saturday nights they lived in Stickney mm -hmm. they lived on the south side in Stickney um, um, suburb of Stickney and we would go out there like every Saturday and they would play cards and stuff my folks would play cards and I would be in the other room in the dining room and I'd be watching like All in the Family and Mash and Carol Burnett because those were the shows that were on on Saturday nights in the seventies so mm -hmm. I'd be watching all that stuff. And uh, and whenever the the patriarch in the family, his name is Cleo. His name was Cleo. He would pick up the phone. His last name was Reno. Mm -hmm. And he'd pick up the phone. He go Reno's Nut House. <laughs> wow! Like he, had a, right. he lived in a mental institution. Reno's Nut House. That's how he would answer. Them. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember uh, one time my dad and I year, many 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 years ago. Uh, my dad and I were watching Barnaby Jones one night. You remember Barnaby Jones mm -hmm. with uh, yeah. Buddy Epson? And he ca and, and, and for some reason, in that specific episode, and I don't know, I, we didn't watch it regularly, but for some reason we watched it that night because it was not a show that 
that was not on our priority. Did you ever watch Barnaby Jones when you were when you were young? Um, I don't, I don't recall yeah. specifically, but I'm sure I have. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't like a, it wasn't like on our, it wasn't like something we watched every week. It was not must see TV. Oh my God, we got to watch Barnaby Jones. For some reason we had it on and we were joking about how stupid it was, uh, Barnaby Jones. And for some reason in that episode, he introduced himself a, a, an unnatural amount of times, you know, like mm. he'd walk in, he'd go, hi, I'm Barnaby Jones. And, and, I, and we're watching the show. And within the one one-hour episode, he probably introduced himself like, I don't know, 15 times. And I thought that was, even as a kid, and my dad and I both thought that was a little excessive, you know? So Just introducing himself to people? Yeah, just walking up going, hello, I'm Barnaby Jones. And I, I, maybe he was investigating a crime, and everybody that he was interviewing, he had to introduce himself. I don't remember the specifics, but I just remember he said, right. hello, <laughs> hi, hi, I'm Barnaby Jones, like 900 times in the episode. So the next day... I'm home and the phone rings. And this was back, you know, when you, when you don't know who's calling, you know, like as we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Back in those days, it was a crapshoot. You could pick it up and it could be like an obscene phone call. It could be a bill collector. Now you look at it and you go, I don't yeah. want to talk to that person. You don't have to take the fucking phone call if you don't want to talk to him, you know? Mm-hmm. You didn't have that luxury back then uh, with call waiting, as you said, because you grew up in the era where you couldn't do crank phone calls because of that. Yeah. Well, we had caller ID, so. Oh, you had the call. You See, know. now there's another. That's another one. <laughs> Light call waiting in the party line, man. You were in the future. You had a futuristic mm-hmm. phone. So I remember I picked up the phone. I didn't know who it was. I picked up the phone, and I just hear on the other end, hi, I'm Barnaby Jones. <laughs> and it was my dad. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, what? what? And I didn't know what at first. I was like, what? And I found it kind of disturbing because, you know, I was, a, I was like a kid. And I'm like, who's? this and it was my dad but he's like hi i'm barnaby jones and i was like oh okay <laughs> i always remember that so yeah it's the days before yeah i was never good at prank calls i'd get too nervous and i'd hang up mm-hmm. i mean but you I, have to have something right you, like you can't just be like hi hi and you want no but like we would have material you, like <laughs> you'd have material you know and, you know, like, you go, okay, I'm going to do this joker. Like, you know, the old one. Hey, is your refrigerator running? Yeah. Well, you better catch it. Yeah. You know, that Come whole, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, man. Oh, wait, wait. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I oh. love Nick's show. Oh, she's wearing a William Refrigerator Perry t-shirt in honor of the refrigerator joke, I guess. Oh, wow. Hi, I'm Carrie right, Russell, Carrie. and she's I really... love Nick's show. <laughs> So quick thought into these. She does, man. She knows. She she listens through the door, and whenever I say something, yeah. she immediately changes the shirt so that it's you know timely for what we're discussing. Wow. <laughs> but She's very thoughtful. But I was never really good at getting you know going through with the phone calls. I'd be like, I'd hear the I'd hear the person on the other end, and I get nervous and hang up. You know. Mm-hmm. And then like, <laughs> yeah. And, and then be like, oh man, what if they call back and you know whatever, you know. Um. Because there was that, I guess there was a time when you could, you could, I guess we carried through this when the star 69 thing was a thing so that you could actually call that person back and it would freak us out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember I got the, I got uh, the list of phone numbers for all the staff at my high school, including teachers. Oh, wow. And we what would call, we, we would, pr- well, my, uh, uh, at one point my dad, uh, um, worked maintenance at my high school oh okay and so he got a hold of it and didn't know you know that i took it <laughs> and, and so we started prank calling our teachers because we had their home numbers mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I was never Boy. good at it, but I had got I had guys who could like do voices, and I had friends who could do voice, and we'd be listening on other extensions, you know, and listen, you know, with our hand over the bottom so we wouldn't laugh and ruin it. But mm. there was w- one guy in particular who could keep people on the phone forever, and we admired him so much. <laughs> he had the ability he had the ability to keep somebody on a prank phone call for a long time, and uh, including teachers, so. Was it always different? Or like, he would what just, was he doing? He would like he would pretend to be like be a. I think at some point he would pretend to be like a, like a survey. Because back in like the early eighties, people would call him and go, well, "You have time for a survey?" And you would you could do shit like that because it was much you mm-hmm. know. And so he would do things <laughs> like that, or he would call and say that he was like a, a health inspector. I don't know. He would make shit up, and he was he was incredible. I mean, he was incredible. This guy. And we would call up and go, fuck off, and then hang up and laugh or make a fart noise and go, you know, like it was brilliant. This guy would, you know, conceptually carry on a conversation with people as a character. And I was always astonished by this guy's incredible talent for for prank phone calls. I was like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm assuming... um... He was a fan of the Jerky Boys. This was pre-Jerky Boys, but I, but I oh would boy. imagine. Oh no, this is pre. This was in the eighties. This was like early eighties. You know when we were doing this, the Jerky Boys didn't come come until like the mid nineties. Um, and that's another. You know, you you remember how the Jerky Boys had to alter their their what they used to do because of like yeah. they would have they would have to take out ads, you know, like want ads, and put a phone number so people would call them. You know what I mean? Like they'd put an ad in like Craigslist or not Craigslist, I mean, you know, whatever, a paper. Yeah. yeah and yeah. they would call up and go, yeah, hi, I'm calling about the ad. And then they go, oh, yeah. You know, and then they would do Rizzo. They'd do Frank Wizzo and shit, but they couldn't, it got to the point where they couldn't call anybody. That's why they can't do it anymore, obviously. But there was that sweet period there in the early 90s when you could call, you can still call people, you know, and uh, right. do the <laughs> call a roofing company and say, yeah, they're up there slapping each other with the hot mops that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I went up there and I fired my fucking wife off the roof. <laughs> uh, did you like the Jerky Boys when you back in the nineties? Um, I wasn't. My brother was a big oh, fan of them. Yeah, that's a guy. I think that's more of a guy thing. I think it is more of a guy. Yeah, thing. yeah. he liked the Jerky Boys. I could listen to the Jerky Boys for hours, man. And then I saw the. Did you ever see the Jerky Boys movie with Tom Jones? I remember hearing about it, but I don't think I actually saw it. <laughs> Tom Jones is in it, inexplicably. <laughs> hey, man, you go where the paycheck is. <laughs> exactly. At one point, they go to a bar, and t- and you know who the villain was in the movie? Like, because the, they because they call, I guess they call up. I can't I can't remember the plot, but they think because you know the character Frank Rezzo, that guy that they do. Mm-hmm. They he was like mistaken. They made a prank phone call, and they called up a mobster, and then they ended up at a meeting, and they, he had to pretend to be Frank Rizzo, the mobster. It was fucking stupid, you know. But the he- you know who the head of the mob was in the movie? God, it's all coming back Who's to me that? now. Alan Arkin was the. <laughs> oh wow! All right. They got Alan Arkin, you know, Academy Award winning Alan Arkin to be in their movie as the mob boss. <laughs> Oh my god! And then Tom Jones shows up because they end up at a club. They for no reason they walk into a club. They sit down. Tom Jones is performing. So, you know, I that's... mean, of course, <laughs> <laughs> he's also performing in Mars Attacks. I mean, he's everywhere. Yeah. oh god, he's in Mars Attacks. That movie rules. I mean, that makes way. sense because he was in Vegas. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, 
God, that movie rules. Boy, you know, people don't like that movie. I don't under, I don't think I can be friends who don't like Mars. I can't be with friends with people who don't like Mars Attacks. I, it's great. It's fucking awesome. But I, like, but what pe- do you not like about it? You know I, what no, I mean? I, like, <laughs> yeah, no, people think it's stupid and it's, you know, it's not funny. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That movie is, and it's star studded. I mean, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's got the best shut up. One of the best shut ups ever is when uh, Jack Nicholson is screaming. He's the president and he's screaming at uh, Rod Steiger, who's like the general. Shut up, shut mm-hmm. up, shut up, shut up. And like he's like, <laughs> one of my favorite shut ups in movie history is Jack Nicholson screaming at Rod <laughs> Steiger. And the aliens are hilarious. I, I, the, the, I think the aliens are great. I love that movie, man. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You watch that one? Is that, is that, is that sort of like a cult favorite of yours? Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, it is great. God. Uh, now, okay, here's a, here's another one. Did you have okay? Did you go through ringtones? Like, what were some of your ringtones? Oh, of course. What were some of your? Oh, do you have um, favorites? What were some of your ringtones? I never had any like specific. I don't think I ever bought any. Okay. I might have bought one or two, but I couldn't tell you what it was. Okay. Did you ever have the screaming? Who's the crazy frog? Did you ever oh, have that? Oh God, no! That was that was after me. I was okay. no. Did he have a name, Crazy Frog? I can't remember. Um, what was it? You know who I'm talking about, right? It might have been Crazy Frog. Yeah, beam, 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 beam. Like it sounded a little yeah, bit like it was, that, right? Crazy Frog. Yeah. You were correct. It's Crazy Frog. <laughs> so that was never one of your ringtones, Crazy Frog. No, it was not. <laughs> oh man. Um, I had, uh, like a lot of horror fans, I had, uh, Halloween, uh, the Halloween theme mm-hmm. as my, as my ringtone mm-hmm. for a while, but everybody has that. If you're a horror fan, you can, you can hear that popping up. Every, I, you know how many times you hear that when you're at the flashback convention? Cause suddenly you're like, everybody's like, you know, you know, <laughs> you hear, and then like, and then like 30 people are checking their phone going, oh shit, is that me? Cause everybody has crazy frog. Was there, do you remember any of the other ones? Did you have songs or anything? Um, I, yeah, honestly, I couldn't tell you. Okay. <laughs> um, at one point, my dad's ringtone was Africa by Toto. I just remember. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that song. <laughs> and of course, I did show him the Kristen Bell, Dak Shepard thing. I was like, here you go, dad, you got to mm-hmm. see this. And he yeah. saw that video. Yeah, and yeah. now, you know, years ago, when, when that happened, well, I don't know, that like 10, 12, 15 years ago, whenever that thing happened. Um, I showed it to my dad, and then he fell in love with Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard. They were suddenly his favorite people in the world <laughs> because they did, you know, uh, Africa. Yeah, ringtones. What's your ringtone now? Is it just generic? Um, yeah, it's just the generic thing, but usually it's off. <laughs> Me too. Me too. My phone is always on vibrate. It's, yeah. yeah uh, I, I never, I very rarely have it on unless I need to, you know, unless it's important and I have to have it on so I can hear it if I'm not in the room. But yeah, ninety yeah, yeah. percent of the time my phone is on vibrate, and I'm like, all right. Especially in public, I never have my. You will never, if you ever see me in public, you will never ever hear my phone. I just think it's like, how difficult is it to put it on vibrate? Like, if you're on the fucking bus or you're on a train, how many people you hear, you you do this every day? I'd imagine, Esmeralda. People's just phones just start ringing, then they take calls. I never do that. I never do. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Makes no sense. All right, I think we should all have crazy f- frog. That's what I mean. Bing, 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 or whatever the... Oh, Lord. I mean, that thing took over at least 
commercials. I remember it was just like every other commercial was that damn crazy I know. frog. I know. To man. buy the ringtone. Right. Ugh. And he had like, didn't he have like a like a uh, like a leather like a like a, le- a leather pilot helmet with goggles on his head? Wasn't mm-hmm. that? Like, yeah. yeah, because the sound he was making kind of sounded like a car going. Like a, a revving, so. a revving of an engine. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, exactly. God, crazy frog. All right. All right. I'm still trying to get over call waiting. I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm, I'm behind the times. So anyway. Hey, you know what we have to say now, Esmeralda, right? What's that? So, <laughs> we have to say toodle. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Esmeralda, you rule. Thanks very much. We will get back to the dumb warnings and the dumb people. <laughs> if you have a magic megaphone that you want to do or you want to leave a message, it's 773-417-6948. Email us at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Want to be a sponsor? Advertise with us. Lots of people listen to this podcast. Drop us a note. Sales at radiomisfits.com. My thanks to Ed, everybody at Radio Misfits. Jason Skaggs, uh, who does all the sound and all that stuff. Please take time to, t- to share, like, rate, review all of us on all those cool platforms. Next time, we'll be talking with Eric and Steve uh, for some of the great movies here for the holiday season and then uh, we will prepare for the best and worst of 2023 which will be coming up soon nice so Eric and Steve movie reviews on the next podcast my thanks to the great Amy Guth and to you and to Esmeralda you rule and uh, we will see you next time on the Nicky Podcast the wind is right on me